This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution. Today, we are going to be discussing uh, a topic that is really something that kind of got me into teaching, which is effective mediation advocacy. And joining me today is Stacy Hausner. Uh, Stacy will will knock your socks off. I'm going to tell you this right now because I have been privileged to listen to Stacy give presentations in many different venues for the U.S. District Court and 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 others and she is always fascinating she always has something great to say and now that I've raised the bar so that Stacy has to has to do this okay um, we're gonna go we're gonna go forward but but, but first let me just introduce you to Stacy uh, Stacy has mediated full-time since 2015 and is currently on the ADR services panel of neutrals. Uh, she has successfully mediated over 500 cases in the areas of business, personal injury, employment, real estate, insurance coverage, construction defect, and intellectual property law. She has a very high settlement rate in part because Stacy is one of the most tenacious mediators out there. Uh, she never gives up. When you mediate with Stacy, you will get someone who is going to be following up on her uh, on the mediation session. She is going to give you some of the most creative thinking out there. Uh, she is. Uh, uh, has gr a great deal of insight, great deal of experience uh, as an attorney and um, practice law at both defense and plaintiff's firms. So she, she has a perspective that is born of experience on both sides uh, of the aisle, so to speak. And uh, Stacy ha also has a master's in a dispute resolution uh, from uh, the Strauss Institute, uh, Pepperdine, and currently teaches there. Uh, her courses are very, very much in demand. And uh, I don't know how Stacy works in doing all of that and as a is a busy mediator. Good morning, Stacy. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. And thank you for those kind words. I That's quite a high bar to meet. So I appreciate you having me, Len. I'm so happy to be here with you. Len is an incredible mediator. Um, so I'm so honored to be talking with you and to be a part of this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Stacy, look, I, I, I've got to tell you, um, 
we've known each other for a while and uh, we have not co-mediated a case, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing because most mediators don't really know how other mediators do things unless you've had the opportunity to sit in and, and, and listen. But there are conversations that we've had over the years uh, about things such as mediation advocacy. Uh, and mediation advocacy is something that is that is much different than trial advocacy. And Stacy, can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. And thank you for asking me about this. I, I think that a lawyer's role in a mediation is very different than the role should be at trial. So what we learn in law school and, and as lawyers are trained at is how to be zealous advocates as, and we're gladiators. We're fighting for our client. We're discounting everything the other side says. Um, but in mediation, it should be a different role. And we want to be collaborative. We want to be evaluative. And oftentimes I'll even tell clients that their lawyer will be taking on a different role today. They'll be evaluating the strengths and weaknesses in the case, the risks and the costs. They'll be looking at what's in their client's best interests, and they'll work with me to problem solve. So it is a very different uh, role that a lawyer should take when they are coming into a mediation. And when, one of the things that, that got me into teaching, I mentioned this earlier, I had attorneys appear in front of me that that acted as if they were going to be making arguments to a jury and just denigrating the other side and, and, and the other side's position. And how effective is that? You know, uh, it's interesting because they don't need to take that role in the mediation. We are in an informal process. So I think it's good to try to persuade your mediator by showing the strengths of your position and explaining to the mediator why you're evaluating the case how you are. Um, because that's what we're going to be carrying back to the other side. We're going to reframe it and put it in a nice package, but we are looking to persuade the other side and to move them um, towards your position. So I do think there's some advantage in doing that. However, you don't need to do it in a fighting spirit right? We're looking to problem solve. We're looking to get the other side to understand your position. So to fight with the mediator wouldn't be a great strategy, um, but to use your persuasive techniques and be prepared and explain to the mediator, I think can be effective. And, and what, what you're trying to do as an advocate in a mediation context is you're trying to arm the mediator with the ability to persuade the other side to come closer to your position. Is, isn't that correct? That's absolutely correct. Look, we are in the business of persuasion and influence. And so the more information you can give to us to try to show the other side that they should make concessions and move to your position, the better. So I always tell lawyers, it's great to be prepared. Um, have information to give to us mediators and even better share it with the other side before you get there. Um, but absolutely, we you should arm yourself to persuade us mediators so we can get in there and persuade the other side. What techniques have you seen uh, attorneys use that have been most effective in arming you as a mediator? 
You know, the techniques I think are most effective is really helping me get the message to the other side. So one thing, I always do a pre-mediation phone call, and I do that to identify obstacles to settlement, paths to settlement. I, you know, the clients aren't present, so they can tell me about dynamics between them and their clients, as well as dynamics with the other side. I mean, during this call, I say, does the other side have the information they need? So it's best if they take the time to write a good mediation brief and share it with the other side, um, but also to make sure they get the documentation, the information. I mean, I'm happy to do it in the mediation, and I often do. But the more that we can give to the other side, even before the mediation, sometimes we don't have decision makers there. Um, so we want to let them do it, but also to get allow them to sit and evaluate this information. Right. We want to convince them I mean, I tell lawyers, look, you want to convince them to look at the case the way you look at them, right. look at it. So get them the information that's necessary. And so getting us the information or even better, getting the other side the information before we get there is a very productive technique to getting what you want in a settlement. Right now, you are listening to Masters of Dispute Resolution, and our guest is Stacy Hausner. And we're chatting about mediation advocacy. And when, when we get back, we are going to be talk, talking about the techniques attorneys have used and expand a little bit more on techniques attorneys have used to achieve the best results for their clients. Masters of Dispute Resolution is sponsored by the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. NADN is the premier invitation-only association of civil mediators and arbitrators in the United States, with members in every state of the nation. Only experienced ADR professionals who are widely acceptable to local plaintiff and defense firms are invited to join the Academy's roster. The Academy's website, NADN.org is the most widely visited neutrals database in the world today. With over 40,000 law offices, insurance companies, and corporations visiting our free website annually. Firms can search for neutrals by many criteria, including location, case expertise, qualifications, language skills, and most NADN members also publish their available dates, calendars, online making NADN.org the go-to website for law firms wishing to schedule appointments online with their preferred mediators. For more information, please visit www.NADN.org today. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder Lucy Barron for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. I am chatting with Stacy Hausner about mediation advocacy by attorneys. And you are listening to 
Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. And Stacy, we've been talking about things that attorneys have done and uh, in in representing their clients uh, in, in the mediation process. What have you seen that attorneys have done that have impeded progress in the mediation process? Well, that's a great question. I I think one obstacle they can really create is when their egos get involved or they take on the emotion of the client. So I've had lawyers say to me, I feel this as strongly as they do, and they'll jump out of their seats and start yelling. Um, I really think that's a disservice for your client. Clients are already in in discord and disharmony and emotional about this. You know, they've suffered because of this dispute. And I think lawyers really create value by being the level-headed business brain. Does this make sense to go to trial? Does it make sense financially from a cost perspective or a risk perspective, but also emotionally? And can I achieve something? What do my client really care about? What's in my client's best interests? And can I achieve that through settlement? And I think it's difficult if they get too emotional um, and too passionate or their egos involved. Um, that can really be an impediment to settlement. I also um, have seen lawyers be put, um, not do a good job in the negotiation process. And I think that by being a good negotiator, they can really advantage their clients here. So I'll have some tell me the bottom line right off the bat. Um, I don't think lawyers should give true bottom lines to mediators because what we're doing is we're looking for zones of agreement. We're looking at where can I get this case settlement half? And if you're telling the client your bottom line, we hear that. And now that's a number we know we can get to. Um, So I think that there's a negotiation strategy here where you can be more advantageous to your client's ultimate outcome. Your last answer has given an amazing amount of information and could bring us off into a couple of different areas uh, that well, one is getting in, involved in the emotions of, of the client. One of the things that I found, and, and wonder if, if you found the same thing, that clients, unless they are really sophisticated clients, do not understand that a trial is not a fun recreational activity, all right? They, they see it on TV and think, oh, yeah, okay, you know, 20 minutes and then there's a commercial. And, uh, you know, and then we come back and then there's a result and then I'm happy and the other side's not. How do you bring reality into that? Into yeah, mediation? absolutely. So as mediators, we talk about this. I mean, there's not only, there's such a psychological cost to going to trial. I mean, people live with these disputes. First of all, it takes a while to get to trial. So they're living with this dispute the whole time. Um, But there is so much emotion. There's so much risk. And I also talk about the fact with juries, they you have decision makers that don't necessarily hear all the facts involved in the dispute. And they come in with their own headsets. They come in with their past experiences. So if you had a landlord tenant dispute and they were a tenant that was mistreated by a landlord, it's going to be pretty hard as a landlord to convince the jury to your side. 
And also they do all these studies about implicit biases people have. Um, They don't even know it until they're there or they may not even be conscious of it when they're there. So they may not like somebody because of their weight or because of their name or because of their accent. Um, And they may not even be aware of these biases. So there's a lot of risk. And I talk about this during the mediation. This is not an easy, fun process for a client. And so, and I talk to them, you know, 95% of cases settle. That's because not only does it make a lot of sense financially and because of the risks, and people have different risk aversion levels, but because of the emotions and the psychological impact, you know, problems with going to trial and being involved in a dispute. So I do try to educate everyone about that. And I think lawyers can do a great job if they can talk to their clients about that as well. Well, one of the things that that lawyers uh have to strike that balance of is being a strong advocate and have the client have confidence in their advocacy and at the same time talk to the clients about about risk uh look i don't like to go to vegas that much all right I, i i don't like losing all right um and the winning doesn't thrill me all that much but different people, you know, I've had mediations where somebody goes to Vegas three times a month. I think those people are not very risk adverse. Have, do you have examples of, of people who are just absolutely not risk adverse that, that create an impediment to, to getting things settled? Yeah, I mean, and we have to deal with that. People have different levels of risk aversion, right? Unlike you, Len, I do not enjoy gambling. This is not something I'm interested in. And so that's, you know, we have to deal with clients and lawyers where they are. Uh, There's so much more than do you win or lose. And so we can talk about that as well. And you're taking a risk on something totally out of your control, right? You have outside decision makers. And there's a big benefit of you getting to control the mediation and the outcome. And I talk about how great that is to be the decision maker. And it's a voluntary process. And, you know, there's other components as well. We can be creative. It's private. Um, So sometimes they have reputational concerns or they need money immediately. There's so many other components when I have someone who's risk averse. I try to get them into their business mind, their business identity when they're making these decisions. Hopefully the lawyers can't. You brought a great point, which is lawyers do have to do a role between being an advocate um, and show their client, look, I'm fighting for you. And being an evaluator, is this a good decision for you? And because of that, I'll pull lawyers out of the room in a mediation or try to talk to them without their client present and get a feel for that. You know, how much are they having to do the fight because of the client versus, you know, because they really believe it? Um, how much how much of does that dynamic play a role in in our settlement or in our ability to get settled? So the, lawyers do have to walk that fine line. And I respect that. Um, and I help them. I say, let me help you here. Um, and so I really try to help them do that. Thank you for that, Stacy. Right now, we are discussing with Stacy Hausner, uh, mediator, professor, uh, adjunct professor at uh, Pepperdine and Strauss Institute. 
And we uh, have been discussing advocacy in mediation. When we come back, we are going to touch on a subject that Stacy raised, which is the effect of having prepared for negotiation and knowing how to negotiate. Uh, this is Masters of Dispute Resolution, and you are listening on podclips.io. Thank you. Most attorneys need professional liability coverage, but very few are professional liability experts. And there's so many options when it comes to legal malpractice insurance. How do you know how much coverage you need? What should your policy limits be? What if you've had a past claim? You shouldn't have to take time away from helping your clients to research professional liability coverage. And with lawyer-specific insurance brokerage on your side, you won't have to. They're professional liability experts. Shop California's leading professional liability carriers to find your firm the right coverage at the right price. Lawyer-specific founders Alan Debbie Hernandez have over 50 years combined experience working with the highest-rated providers of lawyers' professional liability insurance. So trust the brokerage with access to over 40 carriers in California and find a cost-effective malpractice insurance solution for your firm. Go to lawyerspecific.com and click Request a Quote. We are on podclips.io. This is Masters of Dispute Resolution, and I'm Glenn Levy, your host, uh, and we're chatting with Stacy Hausner, mediator and extraordinary teacher. And uh, what we are going to be talking about for the next couple of minutes is the negotiation skill set that attorneys should try to bring to the table uh, in, in a mediation context. Can you Give us some ideas to what your thoughts on that might be. I have so much to say on this. And Len, I know you're a master of this. You teach negotiation. Um, there are so many things that you can do as a lawyer to enhance the outcome for your client. And I would say be an active negotiator, be an active participant, trying to drive the number, or if we have creative resolutions there as well, to your client's interests. Um, one thing that just at the outset is how do you start? What is this opening number? And we call it an anchor. Um, a lot of lawyers say and know correctly that I wanna drive the expectation of the other side. So I'm gonna come in with a bigger or lower number depending on what side you are of the dispute so that I can set the expectation. And then at the end of the day, it'll seem like more of a game. And that's a good thing. Um, there's a lot of social scientists who look into this and they know people look at numbers relative to others. So if you went into a sofa store and it said sofas, $2,000 on sale for a thousand, people are more inclined to buy the sofa than if it just said a thousand. And so if you say, I want to end at a million, I'm going to start at 3.5 million. That's a good strategy. First of all, your mediator is going to beat you up to make some concessions, but also we can sell it as mediators look how far they've moved. Now, one of the problems can be is when you set this opening number too extreme, because then the other side says, I'm going extreme the other way then to set, tell them, I don't like that number, um, but also to set the, the expectation the other way. And now we have this giant gap that we need to, that us mediators need to somehow cover. Um, so when you're too extreme, you engender negative negotiating behavior from the other side, or you risk them leaving. Although that's never happened to me. Len, has it happened to you where the other side left? Uh, I've had 
the threat of leaving. Yeah. And, and that's, by the way, one of the disadvantages of Zoom. When they do that and they're walking from their living room into their kitchen, you can't go after them and say, exactly. come down and re reconsider. You can't block the elevator, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, so you do have the risk when it's so extreme that the other side walks out or just um, does negative negotiating behavior that makes it difficult. So what we try to do as mediators is get you to come in at a reasonable number. Right. That's kind of the sweet spot. Big enough so that you can make concessions and you can just do, make smaller concessions, right? Um, but but enough so, um, not so bad that you insult the other side. And so that opening number has, means something and you lawyers can do a really good job with that first opening and then do it. Realize that every time you make a concession, the other side's reading it just like you are and your mediator is. So they're looking at your concession pattern. When you slow down, that means you're running out of num money. I think a great trick, and Len, tell me if you, you've ever experienced this, is when somebody all of a sudden stops talking money and moves to create it. And they say, look, I'm not going to move this way, but how about I offer a letter of recommendation? Or what about a ribbon cutting ceremony? Or whatever the substance of the matter may be. Now the other side's assuming you're almost out of money. And so as a lawyer, I say, ooh, that, that can work too. That's something that actually I have not experienced. Uh, that, that's that's a, a very, it, but it's a good technique. It's, it's what, what I teach in the negotiations class, uh, but I haven't seen someone do that in negotiation from, coming from the attorney. It's come from me because sometimes they get too caught up into it. They, they get too caught up into the numbers and too much wedded to the initial opening demand and 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 their reaction to oh my god we're we're insulted well i always tell them look the first couple of rounds are insult rounds anyway so yeah. let's let's just let's just set those aside and then we're going to get down into in, into business so once they get past the insult rounds uh in terms of numbers then we can we can actually get people to start to understand that there's something possible to achieve here. You know, one of the things that I've, I found is that attorneys don't, they either don't think about what number they're going to start at, or they become so wedded to a number huh. that, that um, sometimes you have to do something unusual. I had one uh, attorney who came in uh, in a slip and fall case with minor injuries, uh, came in with $3 million uh, with soft tissue injuries. And I decided, wait a minute, let me just see what the policy limits are on the other side. The policy limits were 300,000. So before I presented this number he wanted me to present, present with, I said, do you know what policy limits are? And um, he turned to his associate and said, well, I think we asked an interrogatory on that. And I told him, I said, look, it's 300,000. Oh, okay. Then our demand is going to be 300,000, not 3 million. Wow. <laughs> it's quite okay. a difference. 
Yes. Well, those are the, when I talk about being prepared, that would be yeah. something that the lawyer should be prepared about. And all of us meteors have similar situations. I had a dog bite case that settled at, I think, 65,000. Um, it involved a surgery, um, but no futures. And they started two and a half million. And their first concession was like 300,000. And then for, you know, these are not great concession plans nor opening numbers, but I agree with you, Len, with the first rounds are insulting. Um, we, you know, I tell the recipient, don't worry about it. These aren't, these aren't real numbers yet. It gets interesting when we get them in a zone of agreement or we hang the meat low enough for the dog to jump, right? You got to entice the other side to get in the game. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, we try to move them there as quickly as we can, right? Right. Well, look, we are we are getting very short on time. And as you as you have said, we could you could talk for hours on this. We could discuss this for hours. We we enjoy doing it. Yes. And and I, I really thank you for the conversation. Uh, hope that you will come back as a guest. Um, I, I we've discussed doing that and, and I look forward to to that happening. Um, and as we wrap up, what's the best way for for our listeners to contact you? I would love to come back and I love talking with you, Len. So any this has been such a treat. So thank you so much for having me. Um, the best way to reach me is through ADR services. You can email me. I think you can find my uh, all my contact information on the website, which is ADRservices.com. I have an awesome case manager, Chelsea Mangal. Mm -hmm. um, so you can reach me through her or just email me directly um, would be the best way. Or call our offices, they'll get you in touch with me. Thank you, Stacy, And thank you, Daryl Wayne, engineer and producer on this podcast. Uh, I'm Glenn Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io powered by InfoGen Labs, Inc. Stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. If you wish to contact Len Levy, you can reach him through his email at lslevy at adrservices.com, through Len's website, lenlevymediate.com, Telephone him at 818-903-5562 or contact his case manager at ADR Services, 213-683-1600.